You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And heading back into the 90s, 1995 to be exact, to talk about a a record that I think was heralded as uh, just like a fantastic example of the dark ambient genre even even in the late 90s even back you know I, I think it sold out pretty early on or was hard to find come like 2000 and that is yen pox's blood music yeah and an album that was released the same year as last week's episode prick decay mud sound for carsteros but couldn't be more different but also couldn't be more up our alley just in a different in a different way yeah i mean well we'll talk about all the wonderful things but certainly in last week's episode you know anthony saunders was talking about referencing 90s noise and dark ambient was also a, a huge thing death industrial and dark ambient in the 90s mid 90s and certainly like part of my introduction to that to the other side of it for other than like harsh noise or like the straight up weirdo lo-fi stuff and this is one of those albums that that filled that role and i this is an album i think of when i think of 90s album you know classic 90s noise records or dark ambient records different than last week's record when mike said that he couldn't imagine dylan yukis picking out an expensive reverb pedal uh <laughs> there might be some on this record <laughs> i think it's possible <laughs> but before we get into that Connelly's, what have you been listening to? Expanding on our Bastard Noise Zone, we listened to the MSBR Bastard Noise collab one-sided LP. Boy, is that good. Oh, that's in the stacks. Yeah, I've got that over here. It's so, so good. And it does fit with blood music. Mm Mm-hmm. It has this very atmospheric quality. A lot of delicate decisions are made on this, as well as a lot of chaos and decomposition at the same time. And it has a feeling of the cosmos, which Bastard Noise would use that in their music and titles a lot. And I think that relates to some of the feelings brought up on blood music. Yeah, it fit fit right in as we were listening to a lot of Yen Pox uh, and blood music. This collab was just right in the pocket. It's fantastic. Also, we listened to Rogue State, State 213. What's 213, Mike? Oh, it is the dreaded apartment. The dreaded P.O. Box course. Apartment 213 being Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment as well as the P.O. Box to write to get the Rogue State Manifesto, among other things. And look, we've talked about Rogue State. All of us have talked about Rogue State in this past year or two years. One of the great new projects. This is no exception. It is incredible. There is one particularly incredible. <laughs> disturbing track that it's I don't so even necessarily memorable. want to I I the first time I, wanted, I heard it I will remember it forever. Yeah, I want to just let people yes. hear it. I don't really want to give it away. 
it's in the second half of the release. Well, if you're listening, obviously right now we can listen to it on the band camp. Yes. We'll have the physical at some yes. point, but truly a disturbing track. And, and then even other parts of it sound like somebody's burying a body and then distant parties. I mean, it's a, it's awesome. Do a keg stand and put on rogue state. <laughs> Uh, love the Rogue and, State stuff and and have been grabbing some of the uh, snail mail cassettes, you know, mm-hmm. cash in an unmarked envelope. Always a fun way to buy tapes. Takes me back to the 90s as well. Yeah, it was fun uh, moving uh, from Michigan, that apartment we lived in at Schooner Cove for so many years. When I cleaned out our desk, I found just envelopes with cash. Uh, I found a mail order Mike had sent home from tour for like 800 bucks that we never even noticed that we had. Uh, it was wild. So those were the days, huh? Oh, those I forgot about, still- forgot about tour money orders. <laughs> and it's still, you, it still was. Yeah, it's still valid. We, I yep. just took it, took it to the bank. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and we also listened to Moonbeam Terror, Self-Enucleation. The new tape from moonbeam terror another fantastic entry in the moonbeam terror discography what label is it on it's on no rent it's on no rent who have put out lots of great stuff in the past few years the joe collie tape i believe was that this year was that last year what are what is what's time what is hey you know what time what is who can even tell well you know what the time is too late because the physical copies all sold out but you can get them digitally gone but yes go grab the material on bandcamp because it's just another great moonbeam terror tape and terror what is that title it's taking your own eyeball out the entire thing the whole thing but the album itself is very Dark and dirty, dismal, chaotic, unhinged, uh, all, all, all the things you really want and and really fast paced. Yeah, it zipped right by. Yes. A good one. To, much like the MSBR Bastard Noise, we listened mm-hmm. to it, I think we did three times in a row because. You don't at, even have to flip. Just because it's a one sider <laughs> and the vibe was just it. You just put the needle right back and let it go yes, again. Yes, exactly. So, Very nice. Good short formats. Well, great. What the heck have you been listening Gray, to? What have you been listening to? Got this little tape in the mail the other day. Beautifully presented Matthias Gustafsson Piano and Tape Works Volume 2. Uh, Matthias, uh, best known under his moniker Altar of Flies, which should be no surprise. I'm a big fan. I love his Huston and Corset label. I hope I said that right, but it's Swedish, uh, I mean, so probably you're, you're not. The, who can tell? No, I doubt you, you did. You always go for the Swedish he pronunciation. such confidence, I though. love it, and because I of the confidence, it. I believe it's correct. So. Actually, I reject the actual Swedish pronunciation, and I only choose Gray's uh, <laughs> pronunciation and enunciation of that. Well, there we go. But uh, <laughs> it's exactly what it says. Piano and tape works. A lot of nice clunk and piano and yeah i put it on late at night and it was the exact right mellow vibe that i had been needing and uh man you know it's been kind of a Connolly's related listening here i I checked out the new yellow gas flames lying to the ripper (laughs) might be my favorite yellow gas flames oh thank you very much we appreciate uh, that very excited for a physical copy to show up but 
you know, went up on Bandcamp, so I had to had to listen to that. And yeah, don't get caught lying to the Ripper. Do not. No. Whatever you do, don't lie. Yeah. Heck yes. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I think we should talk about blood music. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. In 2001, Trugatronic invented the multi-channel tabletop audio controller, a joystick version, C4i, Iron Cross, and the button version, C4b suppressor, are cloned by many and equaled by none. 20 years later, the subhumans pulled the pin on the mother of all analog controllers, the C36 Revolution. See it at Trugatronic.com. Blood music. I mean, you see the cover of this album and you know what you're in for. It's like a skeleton submerged in some sort of ethereal gaseous blood it is a red album and it is impossible to not have visions of red while you're listening to it yes it is dripping in vagary it really is and i think that's what's so great about this style of ambient dark ambient whatever term you want to use for it Everything is so obscured and morphed and mutated that the original source is generally hard to decipher. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I do love the obfuscation of of source sounds, instruments, what even where things are coming from. This is such a spacious album. It's a huge expanse contained in all of these tracks through nice use of panning, nice use of, of reverb and, and not, it's not heavy handed, but it is a fairly complexly put together album that, that conjures a vastness, uh, sort of a, a blood red space. It really is like some sort of crimson hued, galaxy that you are thrust into you blot out Mm -hmm. the summer sun close the doors close the blinds and the scene is set which is how we always have it in here anyway but especially for an album like this it really requires a nice cocoon absolutely and and two two gentlemen and yen pox Yes, uh, Stephen Hall and Michael J.V. Hensley. Michael Hensley, who is a, uh, also a collaborator with Jonathan Kennedy in Hollow Earth. Correct, and also is the man behind Bloodbox. True. A project I got so, to uh, see many years ago. Oh, you did? Oh, wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the frying pan, when I've talked about seeing Condom and oh, Grey Wolves. Bloodbox and stuff, played that as well? Bloodbox wow. was also on the bill. Uh, I think the last project on the first evening very very cool and this album was done when they had moved apart yeah they initially lived together in new paris indiana until michael moved away to seattle so then they started collaborating via tapes via the mail um and so it made for a slower recording process and by tapes it's that it's got to be right yeah, they're not recording on a boombox. No. This isn't this isn't yeah. 
Prick decay. This is a clean <laughs> sounding record. Very yeah, clean. it's definitely done. And we should note that uh, as originals can be tougher to track down, Malignant Records repressed this in 2010 in a expanded remixed double CD edition, uh, including their first cassette and some compilation tracks and such. So, and an unreleased track, I believe. Uh, grab that. It's what you it's want. It's great. It's so great. You can grab it, the the physical and the digital through the Bandcamp. We'll have a link up to that, and it all plays like one full album. Yeah, it's seamless. Uh, the nuance and the subtlety and just the flow of this entire album is is spectacular. Well, to me, we are just immediately in the dark ambient shade right away, and the wings are flapping in the red sky. There's howls in the forest. This album acts as a precursor to our October listening, which we were just discussing our October lineup because we always like to have a themed October because it is the best month of the year. It's very important. This is a bit of a precursor to that because it certainly would be fantastic on a nice fall evening in tonight. Someone just tried to get into our apartment. I think they wanted to listen to the blood music with us. I hope it was a bird. (laughs) But yeah, this first track sets everything. And from there, it all unfolds. And it all unfolds seamlessly. The vastness is so apparent right off the bat. I mean, what I kept struggling to figure out in listening to this is, are the titles making me feel a certain way about the sounds or do I feel that way with the titles removed? So this first track, Infinite Domain, really does feel infinitely vast, swirling space, just like swelling and retracting, just like Gray said. It's like a it's like a giant red dust cloud. So did that happen because I, they put the words in domain in my mind or is that just what comes across in the abstract sound and all of these titles are just phenomenal and open-ended and absolutely evocative well they're open-ended but they're also they are a a thing i don't know what yeah, word like a I'm visual trying, guide but what i'm saying is they're not made up do you know what i mean Absolute zero is something. Illuminate is a word. Descent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, infinite domain is a is a it's a, a term in mathematics. I don't really care to e- explain it. Even using <laughs> blood music as the title, so it's these words that we all know can understand, and then we can put our own images, thoughts, feelings into them. And make them something else. And I think that's, I love when titles can do that. This is definitely a great record for sort of projection and and opening your imagination to its potential. And yeah, you know, you mentioned the howls and yes, it's howls and whimpers sort of from the depths on this one. And it's super heavy churning and some sort of scratched, scraped, I put strings, but it doesn't quite sound like that. It's not anyone playing anything. And the mix I really like too. Like there's, there's sort of bell like sounds on it, but very quiet and just sort of present. That's one thing that this album does well is subtlety. 
Uh, I think there's a, a really wide range of sounds at play, but it makes you work to decipher what's going on. And in doing that, you get sucked into the album deeper and deeper. The strings was something that I heard as well. And in the interview in Spectrum, they discuss that this album, as well as the first tape, was made with instruments, objects, samplers. There's, synths were not a part of mm-hmm. Yen Pox until New Dark Age. And that really interested me because of something a former guest talked about, that being Mr. Jim Rose, talking about you not trying to not use synths to create ambience that feels like it possibly could be synth based. But in, in reality, it's using instruments. It's using objects like a bell, maybe a symbol, maybe scratching on something and then expanding that, morphing it, extending it into something completely unrecognizable from the original source. And I love that. And I think it really comes across on this. Yeah, there were parts where I'm like, how slow can you make a gong? <laughs> like it's the only thing I could think of is like a gong slowed down 500 times. It's a good sound. It's it's a very nice sound. And and also distinctive whistling on the first track that I enjoyed. I think that each track, although they're it all with using the same palette, each one has like a little tiny thing that's different in it. And I think that the Infinite Domain had the the whistling. And you know, Infinite Domain also uh reminds me that Yenpox a year prior to this were on another malignant CD, the Invisible Domains compilation with Orphix and Vrom and a bunch of other great stuff that we have covered on this podcast. So uh, if you haven't had the chance to hear Invisible Domains, you should give that one a listen too. Heck yes. Twilight Eternal is slower than before and the space that it creates is constantly reaching into this mysterious twilight territory. And I think twilight eternal again, like Tara was wondering, is it the titles that chicken or the egg? Is it the Mm -hmm. titles that make you think this is it the music? And then you go to the titles. It's a cycle, but I think it's everything. I think it can be all those things. Yeah. I definitely hear a lot of like tonal shifts in this one. The, the, it's offers a little bit more in, and this is not the right way to say this, but in like the musicality of it, there's a little bit more variety of sounds here than on the first piece, infinite domain, but like some sort of light resonance on these kind of swelling sounds. And then there's the sort of crackle and hiss section that comes in and sort of, uh, super slowed like metal scraping on metal vibes to this. There's also some outright uh, pitch modification that you can hear where like we can uh, hypothesize about things being pitched down because of the interview and knowing the sources. You also hear some things being pitched up. There's definitely 
some sort of like 90s pitch shift effect on things, which is a sound I, I like and I've talked about in Harsh Noise releases uh, plenty, but it's nice to hear it in a different context here mm-hmm. on Twilight Eternal. There is this sound that made me think of trains and all I could think was that there is a train that's chugging away and is eternally avoiding the sunset and is in twilight and then where is the train going to one of those crazy caves in New Zealand or Australia that have those glowing worms on the top have you ever seen those I have not okay so there is this um there is this fungus gnat larva that makes a mucosal trail on the ceiling of caves and it has a glowing tail and from that glowing tail it drips a silken thread with droplets on it and small insects are attracted to the light and they fly up and they get stuck on their silky gooey threads and then the larvae eat them but sounds disgusting when you look at it it sounds awesome what are you talking about sounds disgusting it's it's it's, (laughs) a twilight glow on the ceiling of a black cave. So it is such a magical scene. You walk in, it's pitch black and twinkling stars are surrounding you. And that reminded me of this track. It's really incredible. She showed me pictures of that. Also, just talking about that made me think of the caves in Rock City. Oh, yeah. And Rock City in Tennessee. Strange Mm -hmm. black light scenes that are in this cave in Tennessee. Yeah, they have quartz caves and they've carved out little scenes and added dolls and black light recreations of fairy tales under the ground. Okay, Connelly's, you guys go in caves? We love caves. We we won't you won't go in the ocean. No. Love a cave. I I will not go in a cave. I'm I am anti cave. I'm from cave country. So the Rock City caves are domesticated go, caves. They are domesticated. <laughs> so they have paths, they have rails. This is spiders and crap, man. This I'm not is going not in a cave. just this is not spiders just a rogue They're- cave. This is not the rogue state of caves. This is a cave meant for the public. Now, would I go in a cave just a wild cave? A wild cave? Mm, I don't know. Tara you would go with me. Tara grew up near some caves, so I think she, I would trust her. Yes, and it and it turned Mike off to caves because when we were first together, this is like in the first month, I went in a cave on my papa's property and came back and I had a tick on me. Oh right, and it terrified so, Mike. Yeah, and maybe he I never wanted in, to go in the cave because you get ticks in the cave. There you go. Maybe I would, but you know what? <laughs> but not deep that was in the a cave. Long time ago. Yeah, I just feel at like the entrance of the cave. I feel that I may have. Oh, I go to I go to Bronson Cave a lot. I was gonna say there's some caves near your place. I right? do the, go. Look, I do like Bronson Cave. Of right? course, the cave. Where the Batmobile comes out, the cave where Aerosmith Night in the Ruts cover was taken and many more famous. Oh, the cave where the in the movie, the forest, the cave scenes are filmed in Bronson Cave. I love Bronson Cave. So, yes, you know what? You love caves. I I like caves. caves. Look, the caves do not kill you uh, unless they're full of gas, in which case, you know, kind of understand if you have a gassy cave and don't go in it. Uh, But. The ocean will kill you. 
You can't breathe in the ocean if you're under the water. So many animals that can kill you. Truly, what's the worst thing you're going to get in a cave? A bear? A tick? A spider? I mean, a bear would be horrible. There are so <laughs> yeah. few deadly spiders. Uh, very rare. I don't want any any spiders. <laughs> I'll take them. I like spiders. <laughs> uh, would you go in a cave if you heard Purgatorio coming out of it? No. Absolutely no. That's so scary. What an incredible track. The m- movements are shifting subtly. There's this bare line that stretches out of purgatory that goes through, especially the beginning of this track that I really loved. And the calls are raining down from the crimson sky. It was like a meteor and slow descent. This one I, I do really enjoy, but it sort of prompted a question in me because we're three pieces deep into this work and they're very much keeping in a vibe, which is what I look for in a good dark ambient city. Like some things are for blasting and some things are for quiet listening or you can put on while you read like they're different purposes for all different sorts of sounds, including different noise albums. But what makes a dark ambient record good? Like, why was this such a beloved record even shortly after it came out and still to the point where it necessitated a double CD expanded reissue? The depth and range of the recording is one big reason. The continuous nature of it is one big reason. When you put on something like Blood Music, you don't want there to be jarring shifts. You don't want there to be jarring changes. The tone is set with the first track and the excellence of the album comes from the expansion of that track and the atmosphere that it sets while you're listening to it. I always attribute this quote to Brian Eno. I believe he said it. I believe I'm quoting directly. But from my from my remembering of the quote, he says something to the extent of, ambient music should be as interesting as it is ignorable. It's a great way of discussing one facet of ambient music. It can be something that's on in a setting that you almost forget that it's on. You almost forget that you're listening to an album because the atmosphere that it sets is so thick that it's just existing in that room. Or you can do what we did and listen intently and listen to all of the layers and try to decipher what's happening and try to see the techniques being used. And in that, you also get this great experience, listening experience. So to me, ambient music gives you multiple ways of listening and multiple ways to experience sound, whether or not it's existing in the room or whether or not you want to hone in on what is happening. Blood music acts 
in many ways. Whereas last night when we had it on, we we were just setting the atmosphere in the room. We weren't taking notes. We weren't trying to think about how to discuss it in the podcast. We were just letting it go. Today, we were focusing, reading the interview, thinking about what Michael and Steve are thinking when they're making this. Great Harsh Noise Records can act similarly in that sometimes when the tone is set from the beginning and continues through the end, there's something to be said for albums like that, like maybe an Incapacitance album. Mm -hmm. There might not be a ton of variation, a ton of changes, but you don't want that when you're listening to it. Something like, we keep going back to last week's episode, something like the Prick Decay album. It is a lot about the new introductions of sounds that come and go. And there are jarring elements to it, but that's enjoyable. Yeah. It's paced differently. Album. I think the reason blood music is such a classic is all these things. And again, much like Tara was discussing, it's the sounds matched with the titles. It's the simplicity of blood music very simple it's very evocative and then when you have it on you're taken there and it brings to mind so many elemental forces in listening to this you think of fire you think of wind you think of water and that is you know nature's ambience so how many times are we at the ocean and I don't want to play music. I just want to stare at the water. Like there's something about the sounds that you hear between the wind, between the water, the waves, just the movement of nature. You can be in the forest and hear that. And this definitely has that elemental ambience to it, but there's just such a darkness to it. It's not scary. It doesn't feel like it's going to murder you, uh, but it, but it is just an ominous presence. Maybe it's the respect for the elements. Maybe it's the respect for blood. The respect for blood, for sure. And also, going back to a recent listening of ours, something like The Rogue State, what the success in that is, is that it's not one thing from beginning to end. There are all these movements, there are all <laughs> yeah, these changes, and where that particular track that we said sort of comes out of nowhere, that elevates the rogue state. So, so many different ways to look at noise and ambient and this music that we talk about. But when we're talking about blood music, you want that setting and you want to remain in that setting for the duration. I, I agree very much with, with your statements. I think it's a, an interesting, you know, we, we cover so much stuff here. It's interesting to me, the, the ways in which these things can be listened to and can affect you. And even something you've heard again, a million times and heard in different contexts, like would I take this record to play in my car? No, it's not for that. You know, would I put this record on at, two in the morning. 
absolutely is mm-hmm. is perfect for that. And the fact that it all feels like a seamless universe is the appeal of this sort of thing to me. And the appeal of something like uh, Morton Feldman, you know, something like very repetitious, very subtle in its movements. That is, is wonderful stuff to listen to. And, and Connolly, I think you also have just cursed us. And how so? We're going to have to talk about a Brian Eno record sometime. I would absolutely oh, would love great. to do that. We love I Brian Eno. absolutely think that would be a great episode. The hole is open. It's quiet down there as we head into descent. Uh, is this is this the hit? <laughs> Does Tara have the, a star next to this one? Uh, I have a heart next to illuminate. But again, I think they act, they go into each mm-hmm. other, right? So this one, the layers start getting peeled back. And there's fewer and fewer layers as the track goes on, which I think is very effective, especially at this point in the record. Yeah, for this track, I couldn't shake the vision of being in a bucket and being lowered down into a deep, deep well slowly. And once you reach near the bottom, you hear just whispering and you don't know what's down there. Heartbeat and breath. Yes. Yeah, those sort of uh, expulsions of air. The the I thought of it as breath, but I didn't write breath down because it has a different sort of a different feel. It's it's it is air escaping from something, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a human breathing in in some way. It's like it, you're being swallowed. There is a there is a cave breath. Then this uh I, I I wrote the yawn is back. This sort of harkens back to infinite domain and that sort of great yawning void, but we're being lowered down into it. And there's some strange tones, but one thing that sort of sets this one apart from the previous three tracks is there's a sort of more extended action in the high end. There's more uh, sort of higher tones that are carried and sustained throughout the piece, especially towards the end, than we've heard on these previously. They've all been fairly pitch black prior to this, and this one is kind of the first glimpse of something a little brighter. Uh though it's oddly it's called descent it's true and the brightness of course really starts to shine through with illuminate and that's where i think light begins to show itself this the the light in this is that uh lightning above a cloud cover to me it's this sort of soaring through a haze above you. It's not shining directly on you, but it is sort of these ripples of illumination, ripples of light bursting above the foggy gray clouds. And and that was the only image I could get with all of those sort of tones. And they sort of crystallize and, and, has a swash of noise throughout this track. This is uh, this is another great one. I mean, this four or five pairing here is the sweet spot for me on the album. It has been building oh, yeah. and building to this point. Mm-hmm. And we we settle into these two pieces. They work very well together. 
Yeah, the last minute of Illuminate just wowed me. It's like being washed over with warm waters. It's this wild feeling and you can feel it building the entire time. And then the payoff is so nice. Washed over with blood, maybe. Warm blood, sure, sure. This is a viscous record. Definitely. And I think I think a lot of that a lot of that is owed to the instrumentation. I really mm-hmm. believe that. I believe that it's using and morphing samples and instruments into this to create this viscous sound. Yeah, like I said say. this is like this is like nectar. This whole track is just like nectar. It's a dark night with a candle. It's so good. But that creativity that they are using to find other sources that make these sounds. I, I, I agree with you that that's also what makes it so such a standout, so provocative. The final movement is absolute zero, where nothing never ends. Tara, what is Absolute Zero? Oh, God, I just get so excited about Absolute Zero. It is negative 459.67 degrees Fahrenheit or zero Kelvin. It is the state of lowest energy of all matter. It's very cold. Where is Absolute Zero? Absolute Zero is generally not observed in nature. It can be created by in labs. It was created, let's see here, the closest it ever got was by cooling nuclear spins in rhodium metal. So that was very, very close, uh, like a thousand decimal points away from absolute zero. How cool is absolute zero? Space itself is negative 455 degrees. So not quite absolute zero. All gases turn to liquid at absolute zero. And all tracks turn to the ringing out of ambience. Yeah, what this a way one to is end. just a a massive end cap to uh, such a vast record, and I I don't even know what to say. Like it, this is the culmination of all of these pieces. This is the perfect piece to end upon. And this is the imagery we've been discussing. The vibes and sounds and textures are put perfectly to use here. I agree. And, and it would be a few years until the follow-up album, new dark age. Great record as well. Mm Mm-hmm. The Spectrum interview is from the New Dark Age era. And after that, though, we would be waiting for another proper Yen Pox full length for over a decade. And in the interview, which is something I love about old interviews, they they state that they hope to have a quicker release schedule with Yen Pox albums. There should be a forward. faster output going forward. Instead, we got <laughs> a much slower output 
than in between Blood Music and New Dark Age. But it's one of those projects where everything's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things take time, right? Good good things come to those who wait. The, those are the, uh, you know, it's that's how it works. That's You're going to get quality if someone is working on something for a long time. I feel like they, they hold themselves to a high standard as evidenced by these records. So why try to rush anything when you could have it be perfect. Exactly. And they say that as they continued the project, they became more critical of their own work, which is the, one of the big reasons for the long spaces yes. in between albums. But there is the collab with Troom that comes after new dark age, as well as blood box releases. So it's not, total silence but the yen pox discography is slim but perfect so i'll take that any day and you can just listen to this over and over yeah over and you know indeed my notes say my god this ramps down so hard so if you want to just ramp it down as hard and slow as possible check this out well that about does it for the regular episode over on the patreon we are going to be discussing a new interactive patron perk as well as an expansion of space discussion something that tara and i have been really interested in this week yeah we've we've gone deep into that rabbit hole of living in space uh it's been it's been a wild week and the idea we've been of reading heavily in, about it the idea of living in space partly inspired by some bastard noise stuff mm-hmm. partly inspired by absolute zero yep so we're going to be discussing that over on the extra noise extra we'll see you over there you've been listening to noise extra noise extra is brought to you by chondritic sound a home to noise artists for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noise extra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>